I want to encourage you to take your copy of the scriptures and turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Last week we were in chapter 11. I saw it fitting that we should go to 12. Hmm. Father, help us now as we open up this your word. That your Holy Spirit would open our eyes of understanding. Help us to understand the truth of this word in God. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we might live it out. Bringing honor and glory to you. The honor and glory that you deserve. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I remember when I was a kid, Christmas time, you know, my parents... Uh, they didn't set out all of the piles of gifts. You know, everything was hidden in a room. And we just never knew what they were going to bring out next. Or depending on my behavior, what they would bring out at all. <laughs> and it was funny how that really just crazily influenced us as kids, you know. I mean, with, with Christmas at stake, we were on our best behavior. You no know, snapping back at mom quick to come when she called. You know, in light of the potential of such great gifts, the power to change a life. That, my friends, is the teaching of the book of Romans. The book you may recall started out talking about our sin. Sin of the Gentiles. And then talking about the sin of the Jews. And the culminating statement that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Talking about how God makes sinners righteous. It isn't through behavior modification, my friends. It's impossible for us to be perfect, to be righteous. No one is righteous. No, not one, the Bible teaches. So how's it going to happen? You know how it happens. God sent his son to die in our place, to be raised from the dead, and that the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you trust and fully depend upon him for his great gift of death for your sin, God declares you righteous. He puts in your righteousness account the very righteousness of his son Jesus. And we are made righteous. And friends, that's a pretty great gift because the alternative is this. Eternal separation from God. Torment. Suffering. Wailing and gnashing of teeth. My friends, we're talking about hell. And that kind of a gift, my friends, it really ought to lend itself, ultimately result in a changed life. And that's where we are in chapter 12. Paul makes an enormous transition here from theology of chapters 1 to 11 to theopraxy, putting it into practice. From doctrine to duty, 
to making righteousness a way of life. So take a look with me, if you will. I mean, how ought you to be living in light of the great gift that God has given to us and salvation through his son, Jesus? Well, I'll tell you what. Two answers. This is what Paul lays out here in the 21 verses of chapter 12. Two ways that you and I ought to respond. We ought to. It is the right and reasonable response to God's great gift of salvation. And the first is this. You will notice in verses 1 to 2. A life that is fully devoted to God. Notice verse 1. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And so what he says is give your body to God. Your fingers, your tongue, your ears, your eyes, every last bit of who you are, you give to God as a sacrifice. Holy is how we give our body to God in a holy way, a pure way, a way that honors him. Give your body to God. So we're talking about where we're going, our feet, what we're looking at, our eyes, what we're listening to, what we're saying, what's coming out of our mouths. It ought to be holy, my friends. It ought to be holy, a sacrifice to him. Paul writes in uh, 1 Corinthians 6, What? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit whom you have from God? For you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is God's. Give it to him. All of it. Nothing back. Not just weekends, my friends, not just a couple of hours a week. Well, you know, I always go to, but then I got the thing with everyone else. And friends, 24-7, all of it belongs to him. That is a reasonable response to what God has done for us. When you came into this world, you proved it. You demonstrated that you were a sinner. You learned how to do it well in all kinds of different ways. And the wages of the sin was death, eternal separation from God. It's hell. We use that word a lot. People use it flippantly. Hell. Friend, that, that word ought to make you shudder. And it ought to terrify you to think that someone you know and love would spend an eternity there. There was no relief. There were no weekends there. No TV time in hell. Constant torment, suffering. A flame that dies not. That is what we have been saved from and an eternal life with God 
eternity with God's people, wholly different than what we are. Give him everything. It's a, it's a reasonable request. It certainly is a reasonable response. And you will notice that that verse 1 ends with this phrase, which is your spiritual worship. That word spiritual, it means logical, it means the liturgical, it is the right way to worship God by giving him everything, all that you are, time, talent, treasure, every last bit. And so give God your body. That's verse 1, my friends. That sounds like a sermon in itself. But look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. See, the natural mind does not know what is good and what is right and what is perfect. How does it happen? The renewing of your mind and how do you renew it gives us the sense that there's something old that needs to be renewed and it is a way of thinking. It is a perspective. And how does it change? changes by the reading of the word of God and the learning of new truths, understanding these things and seeing them in your life. And you begin to think differently. Those of you that have trusted Christ oh so long ago, you look back and you say, man, I could never see myself doing what I'm doing now. <laughs> Because you think differently now. And because you think differently now, you see things differently. And you choose differently. And that changes your life. It changes where you end up. Absolutely. Melanie and I sometimes look at each other and just laugh and just think, Man, 40 years ago, if somebody had ever told me I'd have been a pastor, I'd have wet my pants laughing. I mean, just the ridiculous of such a thing. But that's the life change when you come to faith in Christ and you begin to follow him day by day. It's a daily, daily step, my friends, a daily habit, daily discipline. So don't be conformed to this world's thinking and perspective on things. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, thinking differently, you will be able to discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. It's called growing up, my friends. Growing up in Jesus. Maturity in Christ. So, my friends, how ought we to live? We ought to live a life that is fully devoted to God. You give him your body, you give him your mind. Daily discipline. Moment by moment choices. But here in verses 3 to 21, 3 to 21, my friends, we see the second aspect 
of the reasonable, expected, understandable response to what God has done for us. And that here is a life that is spent pouring out love for other people. You see, you came into this world only thinking about yourself. So did I. And that is the very root of sin. Sin takes because I want. We steal, we lie because I want that. It all starts with the word I. Me, 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 me. That is the very lens in which you look at everything outside of Jesus. Love is the very opposite of sin. Love fulfills the law. How? Well, if you love someone, you won't take their stuff. You love someone, you won't kill them. You love someone, you won't lie to them or about them. I mean, go right down the list, my friends. Take a look at what Paul says here. He says, what does that look like to love others? It says it's, it's like living together. You ought to live together like members in a body. Look at verse, verse 3 here. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, you are, um, what is this saying here? I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Squeeze that all together into one word and you come up with the word humility. It is exactly the lifestyle we ought to live if, and we must if we're going to love other people. Is we need to learn to put ourselves second. The ability to say, no, please, you go first. No, you have this. No, you take that. When that sin nature inside of us is growling and barking and saying, grab it, grab it, grab it, look at that. You would love one of those. Learn to say no. Humility. You before me. That is the choice, the practice, the discipline that you and I must have in our lives if we're going to love other people. You see, the Spirit of God works in our life to, to build within us fruit. Fruit, that is the result of the Spirit's work. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Oh, there it is, right from the beginning, isn't it? You see, the Spirit of God is using all of the events in your life to teach you to love someone else. And so you must be marked by humility. And if you're going to love other people, my friends, you've got to live together like members in a body, marked by humility. Here in verses 4 and 5, lived out in unity. Boy, that's a tough thing to do if you, you don't know how to love others, to work together. Look at verse 4. For as in one body, there's the image, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And so here's this picture of the body of Christ. That's the church. And you're not me, and guess what? I'm not you. I don't see the things that you see. I don't understand them the way that you do. You are absolutely necessary for the health of the body of Christ. There are some gifts that are very public, like teaching, very public. But there are some gifts, my friends, that happen behind the scenes. Thoughts, things that take care of and people never wonder, how did that happen? And there are people working and praying to make it happen. Like, did you ever notice how clean this place is? Yeah, there's not angels that come in and clean. <laughs> there are people who do it, and we are grateful for it. Every now and again, I'm getting dressed, I reach in my sock drawer, and I think, man, look at all these socks I have. And I think, how great is it that for 34 years, there has been a woman who has quietly taken care of all of those things. Do I look like I've been starving? I ain't much of a cook, I'll tell you that. But I eat good. That's the way the church works. Not everybody has to be seen by other people because we know that we are seen by the Lord. And we all matter. Paul writes about this in another place, you know. I've you know, so the foot isn't a hand, so what? You know, it'll never hold a cup of coffee. Not mine anyway, you know. But I'll tell you what, grateful for your feet? Jim Hinkle's about to lose most of his leg. Yeah, you don't want to lose any party, my friends. I mean, how often are you using that pinky anyway, right? I mean, it's not even very strong. But I'll tell you what, friends, hold it out there and you'll miss it. Every part matters. And so, friends, my friends, you want to live a life pouring out love for others, live together like members in a body marked by humility, lived out in unity, recognizing the value of other people. Everyone matters. Every last one of us. What you are doing here, you think, and eh, nobody'd miss me. Oh, my friends, let me tell you how false that thinking is. You matter. Don't you dare leave this place thinking otherwise. It's true. Members of a body, marked by humility, lived out in unity, and blended here in verses 6 through 8 in harmony. Having gifts, verse 6, that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity and the one who leads with zeal and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. We filled out a bunch of cards here today. You tell me everybody doesn't matter was just the vision of one person who said, we could make a difference in someone's life if everybody works together in unity and acts in this way. 
Friends, there is so much that the Lord can do in Family Bible Church if we understand that truth, if we get it. And so, my friends, live a life that's spent pouring out love for others. How? Live together like members in a body. And here, as we get to verse 19, live together like siblings in a family. Boy, that just brings up a whole lot of emotion in that, doesn't it? Think back about your siblings. How'd you live with them? Loudly? <laughs> Some fond memories, others maybe not so fond. You know what has been said? That hurt people hurt people. And that's true sometimes. People who are hurt tend to lash out on other people. But that's not always the case, my friends particularly in the family of God, because we learn in being hurt what we would never do to someone else. We would never do that because we recognize how hateful it is. We live together like siblings in a family. Look at verse 9. Let love be genuine. No phony, baloney, plastic bananas in family Bible church, my friends. We're the real deal. And if you don't feel well, you don't have to put on an act. Because we get it. You're hurting? We get it. We don't need a phony smile. Let love be genuine, Paul says. Abhor what it's evil. I love that word, abhor. Man, that is how I feel about cats. You can like cats, hey, to each his own, right? But, but dogs are way better. And eggs, that's how I feel. You know what? Abhor evil. When we think, when sin is brought to our mind, when we see people being hurt, that is something we should hate, evil. We should hate that which is not love. We would never do that to someone else. That's what we learn from sin. It kills people, destroys families and relationships. Abhor evil. Hold fast to what is good. That is the picture of holding strongly, grasping onto. Hmm. My friends, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. And look at this picture. I love this, that, that the Spirit of God used Paul to write this. He says, outdo one another in showing honor. I just, you want to have a competition? Let's just see how much we can love one another. Outdo one another with showing honor. Oh, no, you go first. You know, it's the couple of guys at church standing, oh, no, you go first. No, you go first. No, you go first. Boy, what a great attitude to have. Oh, no, I want you to have it. See, that's the opposite of sin, my friends. It just screams, just shouts, me, me. No, 
human love, my friends, abhorring what is evil. Yeah. Hmm. Living together like a family, outdoing one another and showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in the spirit and serve the Lord. Friends, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you come and see me before you leave here today and we're going to start working on that. Because this is a particular way that the Spirit of God has gifted you to serve God and the body of Christ. If you're sitting right there right now going, I don't have a clue what it is, we're going to figure that out together. Because this is a particular way that you will serve God in a way that is profound in its impact because it is the Spirit of God that empowers these gifts and he uses it for the good of the body and for the glory of God and it brings joy and it builds courage and it changes lives, my friend. Don't leave here if you don't know what it is, my friends. We'll start working on that. Here in verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation. That word patient just pops out for me here when I read this. Oh, I've got some difficult things coming up. Give me patience. Patience isn't something you just get. It, it's, it's like strength. It is a habit over time that builds strength. Patience is learning to wait on God. One of the best ways to develop this is to drive around the city. <laughs> Can I get an amen out there? Why aren't they going? Why are they going so slow? What's the matter with these people? Yeah, because that always makes things move faster, doesn't it? You know? Learn to wait. Learn to wait. I will wait my turn. I will wait till they go. And I will get there exactly when God wants me to. It's a habit, my friend. Learn patience. So be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. That's also a discipline. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Looking out for other people. This is what love looks like. This is where you put a little marker in your Bible and say, hey, I need to go through that again. When the Bible talks about love, this is what it's talking about. Practical application toward other people. Living together like siblings in a family. And then finally here we see in verses 14 to 21, live together like soldiers in an army. Now this one's going to surprise you here a bit, my friends. Notice in verse 14, the instruction is to bless your enemies. Well, that doesn't say curse. It says Bless. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. There's a habit, my friends. Someone rejoicing, join in with them and rejoice. Now, Paul's going to talk a little bit more about this. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. He's going to tell you why and the impact it'll have. But I'll tell you this, it is the will of God that we respond to hostility with blessing. It is the will of God. How does God work in the lives of people? His people respond differently. And it opens eyes, my friends. So bless your enemies and live in harmony. There it is again. Live in harmony with one another. You know what harmony is? A bunch of people who are different working together. Harmony. Blending your differences together. Do not be haughty. That's a pride Pride is connected with I, I, I because it's all about me, me, me. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And repay no one's evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And there it is again. People cursing you, bless them. Bless them. Return to evil with good. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. That's a different kind of living there, my friends. This is Christianity 101. They will know you are Christians by your love. And this is what it looks like. Now, at this point, you might be thinking, man, I have missed it. I thought it was just walking around going, I'm right and you're wrong. And you need to be right like me. I know you don't think that way. Because it would certainly be wrong to think that way. Hmm. Live together like soldiers in the army. Bless your enemy. Live in harmony and pursue peace. If possible, Paul says, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Don't be the cause of turmoil. Be the answer. Be the answer. Live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. You know whose job that is? It's God's. Because God sees it perfectly and his response is perfect. Never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary... Swallow this, my friends. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Which sounds more attractive than loving your enemy. 
But my friends, if Jesus didn't do the very same thing, you'd be on your way to hell. That's what love looks like. Does it look like us? Does it look like me? That's the question we must ask. Maybe we need to develop some more disciplines in our life to learn to respond rightly. Well, let's wrap it up. God has declared his children righteous that we might live a righteous life. And you know what the right way to live is? Love. What Paul just said here is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, give it all to God. Love the people around you. Note this, my friends, you will never become what you long to be in Christ until you fully give yourself to him. God cannot be a hobby. He must be your life. And note, it is your responsibility to learn to work with every other believer. Who knows that God didn't put your you in their life for a good purpose? Learn to be the peacemaker. Learn to be the truth teller in love. And finally, your greatest demonstration of your life for Christ or your love for Christ is how you love the people who don't love you. You want to show the world that what we're doing is real? Show them love. Show them the kind of love that Christ had, that Christ has demonstrated for us. God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We got to turn up our love game here, my friends. Love well. You're going to have some opportunities, I'll bet you, this afternoon. Choose well. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for your word. It speaks truth to us. It pokes us in the chest and say, I'm talking to you, buddy.